Welcome, everybody. Another, another fabulous podcast, Hollywood Godfather podcast. Another named, one? Named after our book. Yeah, another one. It seems like... I find this hard to believe. Like, what, what, what do you got, 300 up or something? <laughs> and, and I'm here with my friend and my co-writer, Patrick Piccarelli. And um, here we go again. But now... Good evening. Everyone. Yeah. And we're here to clarify a story that was in the New York Post this Sunday. And I've got tremendous support. At How many the, hits did that story get, may I ask? Eventually, well, I, the girl who wrote it, Angela, contacted me 11 o'clock yesterday morning. At 11 o'clock in the morning, we had 107,000 hits. At the close of the day, last night, worldwide pickups, 2,780,000 views. Well, if people didn't know your name then, they certainly know it now. And you know what the editor said to me this morning? He's, you're the only time we had, we, you're the only time we had Kim Kardashian, what am I, yeah, Kardashian, yeah. That's her name. She's the big one, married, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I beat her out in the ratings. I was number three. You know, you know, you know what I've noticed? There is a resemblance between you two. <laughs> well, you know what I told so, him? She was. She, there was a picture of her next to me in yeah. a bikini. I said the only reason they yeah. paid attention to me is I didn't have a bikini on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for small favors. Otherwise, we don't. We'd only have two views on the story. Oh, no. You know. <laughs> Okay, so, you know, this has been a very interesting week. Uh, there's an old uh, Hollywood legend that uh, movie stars, celebrities die in threes. Yep. So we've had uh, we've had more than three, but the, the ones that, that, that come to mind now, and I'll save the person we're going to speak about until last, we've had uh, Tony Sirico from The Sopranos passed away at uh, 79. Uh, you knew him, didn't you, Johnny? Well, I you knew him? of him, and I knew David oh, Chase okay. loved him. But yeah. I knew Tony Sirica as a street hood. Yeah. He was a real guy, you know, but not not, yeah, he's been, he, not a mob guy. No, he, spent, yeah, he was a street. Uh, he, he was doing stick-ups. He did some significant time, several times. Yeah. And uh, here's a name that not many of you will remember unless you're of a certain age. Larry Storch. Do you know who he was, Johnny? Yeah, but he's, he died? Died yesterday. Oh, wow. They just celebrated his birthday last week. 99, yeah, 99. I think. 90. 99. Yeah. Yep, 99. I remember when I was a kid, Actually. the first time I saw him, he, he did a stand-up on Ed Sullivan. I must have been like six years old. And uh, he made me laugh hysterically. I mean, I was six years old, you know? Right. The, whatever humor he was putting out there uh, hit me. And then I, from then on, I was always a big Larry Storch fan. He went on a show called F Troop. Yep. That uh, it's 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 an iconic show. It only lasted like two seasons. But, no, but uh, I, he I played you were uh, about Ray Liotta. That's that's a great guy. Well, well, we'll, you know, we'll get to him too. But oh. uh, uh, anyway, I just had, you know, the guy made it to uh, ninety nine. He was he was still out there doing conventions and whatever. Oh yeah, he was. Every, then, I saw him a couple yeah. of conventions that I do. Yeah. And then there's uh, Ray Liotta who died at sixty seven, I believe. Yeah. Died in his sleep. Well, you know, there's there's no cause of death, but it probably had something to do with his heart. But, yeah, but uh, this I'm evening, we're going. I'm still wondering why here we are three days later. What did Jimmy Conn die of? Nobody knows yet. I know why. Well, he had a, a whole list of ailments. I mean, uh, but he had a bad back. He ain't going to die of a bad back. Unless he falls down a flight of stairs. No, but. Uh, I mean, he, he led a hard life uh, uh, in his younger days. That shit catches up to you. But uh, we're not going to get a cause of death probably for at least a month. Oh, wow. Uh, but, you know, 83, and it's not going to be any surprise, whatever it is. But uh, uh, Ray Liotta, obviously an, uh, an iconic actor. The guy was uh, very charismatic on the screen. I mean, the guy was just great in anything he did. But we're not talking about these, these three. We're talking about James Caan today. My ex-brother-in-law. Yes, my your brother-in-law. Brother Corleone who, family. Uh, 
passed away at uh, at 83. I know you have, you know, you knew him personally. Uh, and of course, I did not. I just saw a lot of his movies. I considered him a very talented actor and for films that that are basically lost to time. There was a movie called Thief. Oh, my God. Very he, good. Yeah, that was very good. Yeah. And you don't see it anymore. I saw it once, twice on television back in the 90s, and it vanished. Well, you know why uh, that is? I'm the only person who could probably tell you why. Because I have, 40, I have 46 movies that I made. Only 16 are in circulation. And when, the rest? when these stations buy them and they don't get attention and they're not going to get commercial money for it, they don't renew it. So they're out oh, there. Okay. But the networks like uh, AMC or OCN or whatever, they, like, uh, we just renewed all the Godfathers again for another 10 years each. So, because if you don't, get, a, you don't get the listening but, audience, like for the freshman, you, I'll always see it. With, uh, the one yeah. I do with Matthew Broderick and, and Bruno Kirby and Marlon Brando. Very rarely. It's on, but very, very rarely. It's on every year. I know it. No, I Once know a year? The show. No. It's, okay. No, it plays four or five times a year. They circulate okay. these. I get checks. I get checks every 90 days for residuals, so I know it's playing. <laughs> oh, yeah, you should. Uh, but uh, Thief was a very dark movie. And, oh, and yeah. if, if, you, if you're not into noir films, and uh, uh, Khan, uh, see if you agree with me, he, he underplayed his character, and justifiably so. I mean, he was a brooding, deep-thinking guy, and he was a criminal trying to get out, which is a theme you see in, in a lot of movies. But uh, in, in, in this particular uh, film, he was just great. You know, and, uh, he was a great actor, and uh, you know, there, there's been a lot of stories about him in the press the last couple of days. And one quote: he's, he was married four times, and. Uh, one quote he had about the institution of marriage. I'm going to have to paraphrase this because, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be on uh, YouTube with this and I don't know what their policy is, but he was basically saying, you know, you, you get married, there's a lot of sex, then she gets the house <laughs> and it's over. And that, that, that was his opinion after his last marriage. Well, man, said, I, I, that, uh, it's, you know, I, I, I got to know Jimmy well, not because I wanted to, but I, I got to know him. But um, if my memory serves me right, his son Scott's mother was a cocktail waitress at the Stardust Hotel. And he used to come there okay. a lot, and he started dating her. And, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, he, he, he played the field. I mean, I got ten mothers to my kids. I ain't mad at anybody. No, no, you can't, you can't cast aspersions. I mean, no, you, you know, you get, you know, you're doing your own thing. And be, being being an actor, I, I would imagine, particularly in, in the roles you play, you, him, and anybody else that was working in that genre, you got to have women falling all over you. I mean, you're a, you're a public figure, and you're a, people view you before they get to meet you, and after they get to meet you, that's fine because they know you're know, a nice guy, what kind of guy you are. But they view you as your characters, correct? Oh no, and that's the. I mean, at 27, when I had Dolores read me that book, finally. Yeah. I said, I could play Michael or Sonny or, 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 or Carla was my last choice, but it seems to be yeah. a lasting memory with everybody, so I'm glad I got it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm glad your last choice wasn't the cat that was on Brando's lap Hello. in the yeah. opening. <laughs> you know, or, or Fredo, you know, could have been one of those. Well, well, uh, uh, Fredo was the governor's brother. He got a job. Yeah. He's, he's Cuomo's brother, so you know, oh, we can't. I, uh, I see where you went yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get we're, we're gonna get we're gonna get cards and letters that we don't want. But okay. screw them anyway. Uh, you, you you get to believe, you know. Once you to correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you, some people, not to say you, that's too much of a generalization. Some people get to believe their own hype. Oh my god! Uh, no. Khan thought he was a freaking gangster, and he wanted and loved it. He actually loved Why? Well, I, I don't know what that was, and, I, and that's how I met him. Because, you know, when I got him, he was studying, he was a thespian. So he was hanging yeah. out with gangsters, like Carmine Persico, uh, I mean, uh, Junior Persico, and uh, a guy, I shouldn't mention his name, but he, he was his good friend, Andy Mush. 
But uh, well, I was just going to say that uh, he he testified at, at uh, Mush's trial. Uh, Mush died about a month ago. But, I know. Uh, he testified at Mush's trial. He was a character witness. I know for a lifelong gangster. I mean, so obviously you put you put a, a James Con on the stand for the splash, and, and and hoping that something sticks to him, and maybe a jury will say, well, gee, if Jimmy Con is on the stand speaking about the virtues of this guy, man, we're going to give him a pass. But you, got, you know, there, there, if you think about it, there are other people like him, uh, Sinatra. Love to be oh around gangsters. The biggest one George. was Mickey Rock. He was at every mob trial there was. I think Mickey Rock and James Caunt went to Gotti's trial. Yeah, they did. Uh, but also, uh, people that, that play gangsters, of course, but George Raft, he was another one that thought he was a mob guy. But he was. Uh, oh, I knew George. I knew the people he was with. And, and that, then, he, then he was with those brothers in, in, in uh, London. And he, and he ran Annabelle's for them. You know, George Raff yeah, was a connected well, guy. Very you connected. Know, if you have, a, as a lot of actors, I think that once again, I'm speaking as an outsider looking in, a lot of actors, no matter what their fame is, no matter how talented they are, have fragile egos. Oh, and when you're drawn to it. Yeah, yeah, you're drawn to it because you get all this adulation from people. And if you're going to play a a, a a gangster that can that can talk to talk and walk to walk because you're an actor, and these guys have a natural, you know, they're attracted to you because of the of the part you played. And also, correct me if I'm wrong. After the Godfather came out, I saw this, but you you had more of an entree into that life. After the Godfather came out, everybody wanted to be a uh, one of those uh, characters. One of the characters in the corner, they spoke like, they started dressing like them. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I watched the transition of John Gotti going from warm-up suits to suits and ties. Well, he had a little help from Joe Watts. Well, I know, but you shouldn't have mentioned that name. But anyway. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, what did he do? He, he, he taught Gotti how to dress. That's a bad thing, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, but, uh, no, yeah, no, you know. You're, you're he, so right. I mean. I've seen more guys, and more guys are quoting lines. Main guys, made guys, I know, quoting I lines I from The Godfather. Seen. What's that? Quoting lines from The Godfather. Really? Yeah. Unbelievable. It's nuts. Well, uh, but then again, so you, before you got the part in the movie, I mean, you were a 27-year-old young, young man, I mean, you with... You had no exposure to film. You had except going to the movies occasionally. Did you ever hear of James Conn before you were in that movie? The only reason I heard from him, a lot of girls I knew were watching Brian Piccolo, Brian's song. And he was brilliant yeah. on that TV show. I mean, really. He was brilliant. great. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, to my understanding, Brian Piccolo was a, a football star that got hurt. and But he, he portrayed. He, got, he had cancer. He had cancer. Yeah. Or what it was. And eventually. Yeah. But the big. But the, yeah, well. So, so you, that was your first exposure to him. So when you, when you show up at the table, just the oh, name. Okay. You, you show up at the table reads. Was he there? Oh yeah. Yeah. The whole family had to be there. What happened? Yeah. The whole cast was around the table and Brando, where, where was the table read? 119th street Patsy's in Harlem. Now I used to go there all the time just for midnight loans when I was younger. They had the Ziganette yeah. games up there and it said Genovese family, that Tony Salerno's place. So I was familiar with it, which made me feel good, because it's very hard to intimidate me, but I figured all these movie stars, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'll be stuttering in this thing. So I, so I said, <laughs> yeah. no, I went anyway. What do I care? And it you was, have any, 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 uh, were you talking to Khan? I mean, after the read, did you get, oh, no, no, try to, no. Uh, they avoided me all. All the thespians. Because they're all studied. He was with Stella Adler and this one and that one. But uh, Robert Duvall and him did a movie on before that. So they were close friends. And there was a whole clique of people like that. And then there was a bunch of idiots like me that were there and just, <laughs> just to be there and, and I, take uh, a shot at it. Uh, aside from Marlon Brando, you know, you and I wrote about this extensively in, in the book when he approached you. He said, who are you with? Right. Uh, who, who did you study with? Was right, the, right, was right, the right. Quote, You know what the hell he was talking about. No one even talked to you during these table reads? No, they didn't know who I was. The, well, I intimidated them because they all came up there in 
station wagons that Teamsters picked them up at the hotel. They were all staying at the Park Lane. I moved in the Park Lane, and as you know, I have an apartment two blocks away. I just wanted to be a part of all that action right. every day. Sure. And I had a 65 Bentley limousine with a Chinese chick chauffeur. <laughs> and that was outside of Patsy's. Too. And I'm wearing Brioni's already. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, and, and that's something else. Uh, my actors, I don't care how successful they are. And that's just pictures that I see in, 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 on the media. They dress like they rolled out of bed. And they want that image, that's in, which I think destroyed the image of a great actor. I used to love yeah, seeing they, Fred Astaire and these guys dressed and like how you point the world. Uh, I mean, like uh, the greatest guy you just mentioned, George Rare. These guys yeah, were impeccable. I know. I mean, Diane Keaton showed up with an old sweatshirt on and combat boots. Sterling Hayden, one of the great actors. He wasn't known to. He wasn't known to bathe a lot. I heard. What? He didn't shower much. No. Well, he lived on a barge in the Seine. Okay, and he he so, was evading income tax, and the and the this the government our government didn't go get him because he was painting on the Seine, and the and the federal government let him stay there to paint on a barge. They brought him in. Paramount made some kind of deal, and brought him in to play McCluskey, which I think was brilliant. Yes. He did a, it was a great, great part, but yeah. he, he wasn't clean, is my no, point. I know. Corleone Vodka yeah. on March so you 9th show up was picked as in the a best vodka from martinis in the world. For that reason alone, I wouldn't talk. By the raw no, red At that time, they were only 16. By calling 518-713-4050-4518-220-9463, it could be shipped directly to your house. The finest vodka in the world by Rob not my fault. Okay, so you're doing. Well, I guess we should preface this. I mean, you know, you, you, you've, you've told a story before, but to understand about uh, Khan's ego and, and how you crushed it, but you actually saved his life. Uh, oh, my God. But he doesn't look at it that way because he was humiliated in front of the, the gangsters he so idolized. Oh, yeah. Junior. So for those of you, I mean, we've got a. Since you told the story last, we've got a lot more listeners. So. Go through with the Jillies that night. And to what started this feud, uh, and not on your part necessarily, but on his part, yeah. with Jimmy Conn. What started it? Well, I think, again, it was just been boiling in him. And then he was, he's all of a sudden at Jillies on 52nd Street. I was there for years because that's Sinatra's watering hole. And Jilly was his bodyguard, quote unquote, whatever that means. Yeah. And we used to go there all the time. It was a big mob hangout. So at that bar that night, I was sitting with Boozy DeChico, Frankie Boy DeChico. His father was on the boss of the Gambino family. Tommy Bellotti wasn't made yet. Tommy Bellotti got made with Paul Castellano when he took over the Genovese family. I mean, the Gambino made, family. Made together and died together, but that's another story. Yeah, and they were both shot down in front of Sparks. Mm. So he comes to the bar, and thank God that Tommy was there and heard him. Yeah. So he comes this to the con comes to the bar. Comes to the bar and he says, yeah. Junior Persico is in the back. He's with his daughter. Come back and say hello. I said, please, I'll go back there. And I knew Junior because he was the underboss of the Columbos. He became the boss when they shot Joe Columbo halfway into the Godfather in 71, June at the rally, and he was in a coma for five years and then died. So now up to that point he's the underboss. So I go back there to hugs and the kisses and all that, and I look over his shoulder and I said, your daughter is gorgeous. He said, what'd you say? I said, your daughter is gorgeous. <laughs> you and walked his, right into it. And his face contorted, and I knew it, because I know this guy well enough. I said, have a great time, enjoy, and I got out of there. Unbeknownst to me, like most restaurants in New York, the bathroom's in the cellar. So before I go back to the bar, I was going to go to men's room. I go to men's room. Two minutes later, comes two junior's guys. I don't know who they were at the time, but they looked like they were guys. They're not in there two minutes, not even a minute. Tommy Bellotti hits the door, and it, like somebody's holding, the guy was holding the door well, closed. Did they say anything to you? They walk in the bathroom. Did they start intimidating you? They thought they were going to intimidate you. I was in the urinal. I guess they were waiting for me to finish. I guess they want me to oh, pee. So they didn't say anything to you that that, 
that wasn't his daughter. No, they, but they, they didn't. Tell oh him. no, not nothing yet. Okay. Right. So now, one of them is blocking the door. It's a small bathroom. Begin with, blocking the door, and Tommy was trying to get in. I don't know that until I hear. He hits his shoulder or something. This guy goes flying in this little bathroom. He goes right up to him, grabs him by the back of his hand, and bangs his head on the sink. Guy's out. And he walks up to the guy that's now looking at me, and he said, well, now what are you going to do? Well, this guy's a punk. He just insulted Junior. He went up to Junior's girl and said, and by this time, unbeknownst to me too, I hear Boozer's voice before me. He came walking down the steps to see what's going on. So Boozy said, let's go upstairs. Now, Boozy's the only one that could talk to Junior because he's a made guy. So they go in the kitchen. Now it's Tommy Bellotti. I'm up there. A few minutes later, he calls for Jimmy. Jimmy goes in there. Jimmy ain't Jimmy in there. Jimmy can't. He's not in there two minutes. You hear Papa, two smacks from Junior. <laughs> Then I go in, and Tommy walks in with me. Now we're having a meeting in the kitchen. And he said, you know, Jimmy, you want to be a wise guy. I'm gonna, you're going to learn what goes on in our life. You want to be in this life? I'm giving you to them now. You're no longer around me. I don't want you around me. And he, he wanted to cry. He said, I was only kidding. Kidding? He said, you almost got to get killed. We know Johnny. And I think that's another rock in his shoe that he was put down by Junior in front of these guys he was hanging out with. And basically, Tommy Bellotti wanted to kill him. He's not going to kill Tommy Bellotti the, was going to kill him because he could. you took the high road and you stood up for him. Give right. him a pass. Let him go. I did. I said, let him go. We just made the movie. Wait till after the movie you want to kill him. <laughs> then <now>. kill him. <laughs> no, you know... That was the most humiliating part, that you saved his ass. This kid who we wouldn't even talk to at the table reads, and then th thought you were nobody, just saved his life. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're going to talk about the repercussions of that after we take a break, which is right now. Perfect. Well, it's time to make money. Long as we cut, we normally cut to a reel that we pre-recorded. I want you to know one thing. August 5th, up in Saratoga Springs... Universal Preservation Law. The phone number, 518-382-3884. I'm doing the book that Pat and I wrote in a one-man show with film clips. It's going to be in the evening. You shouldn't refuse. That's what the name of the show is. Called Get the Tickets. One show, one night. I think it's 7 or 7.30. I'd love to see you up there, and then we'll go to the track because... Saratoga is open. The racetrack is open that weekend. So, and we're back. With okay, so now, James Kahn. so now James Kahn, the late, great James Kahn, is humiliated. Uh, and knowing that you, you saved his bacon, basically, by, by saying, it's okay, and let's forget about it. Because your ulterior motive is, perhaps, it's nice saving a life, but it's also nice not to shoot one of the stars of the movie before it's wrapped. Yeah, because <laughs> you know they were looking to get out of it to begin with. They were only three or four weeks <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, I think. yeah, right. So he had to take it out on you in a way uh, that he could get away with. So tell the people who don't already know it what he did. Well, you know, it was, the, I, I mean, the iconic scene where supposedly I beat up his sister again and it wasn't up until this timeline, you didn't know I was doing that deliberately for the Barzini family because they wanted to take out Sonny. And I didn't like him anyway now, anymore because now I was just like a, a, a doormat to the whole family. They were giving me nothing to do but be a bookmaker up in Harlem, which where that scene took place. And so he leaves his but sister's Johnny, excuse, apartment. Johnny, excuse me a second. You're going out of camera. I can't see you. Oh, I'm sorry. He... Okay. he he was at his sister's apartment and he sees her face badly beat up. And again, he knew that I did it. So now he flies to knowing where I'm taking book, jumps out of the car, and for our audience, we choreographed the scene a whole day prior, the day before. When they get out of the car, 
he throws a bat at me, which was not in the scene the day before. Now, he must have been practicing all night because he threw that bat <laughs> and hit me right in the head with it on a run. Yeah. yeah. So I go down behind the car and they yell cut. They come over. They see me and I have a little, a little cut. They said, we, how do you feel? I said, go on, please. Let's do it. No, there's nothing. Keep going. So we proceed with the rest of the scene where I'm thrown over the railing. And then he gets me against the wall and he's beating me up. And I, I'm, I'm cowardly hiding. And he starts banging me with this garbage pail that were real steel garbage pails in the 40s, not rubber covers. And, he, yeah, right. and in, the, in the rehearsal, we, he was pulling him and just tapping me and like simulating he's banging me hard. This time he's banging me with it and he chips my elbow. And I'm saying to myself, I'm never doing a fight scene again. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> this, is how they, this is how they all are. Yeah. yeah. So now I have to crawl out and try to get away from him. I crawl out under the rail and he jumps over the rail and drop kicks me. But again, in the rehearsal, soon as his toe of his shoe touched my chest, I reacted and rolled over. This time he lifts me up. And I didn't know till later on, because every time I sneezed or coughed, I had a pain in my chest, but he cracked my ribs. And afterwards going to a doctor, anybody had cracked ribs, there's nothing you can do. Don't laugh, don't sneeze, try to avoid don't that, because it's painful. <laughs> you gotta do little short breaths and, and it'll go away. But that's what he did to me. And I knew he did it deliberately. And so with that said, that's my story about James Caan. Oh, and, uh, you know, and obviously this isn't a guy that you can talk to. I mean, if something happens like that, uh, if I was if I was Jimmy Caan, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't have died. Maybe I wouldn't have. Thank you for saving me. But say something like, you know, I, I don't want to uh, I don't want to live through that again. It was very embarrassing. It was a joke. I shouldn't have done it. And forget about it. Right. Not 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 seek retribution. I mean, it's he, he's the one who screwed up. And, well, I, uh, I, yeah. I, I've been told now because of the of the New York Post article that showed up over the weekend. People have been telling me he had an anger issue early on in school, even, and uh, he had a problem with that. He was a guy that was raised by his sisters and mother and father. His father was, I met the whole family. He was a butcher. They came on the set. Very nice people. But Jimmy's got to be Jimmy. And I think any, well, you know, from the day on that he got that part, he was Sonny Corleone. He never got out of character until he died. Yeah. He, uh, this is a guy who's always looking for respect, and he gets respect from the people who, who respect him because he's an actor. Because right. they think he's one of them. You know, that's... With that guy's immense talent, he was a good-looking guy, he's a smart guy, everything going for him, and he needs that to make himself whole. And I'm the one that's saying it's not you. And no. I, I may get lambasted well, for it. I agree with you, though. You know, I, I don't understand people like that. I mean, you, you've got so much talent. And so, you know, be friendly with everybody, do your thing, but to, to, to in, in, insinuate yourself into their lifestyle and, and believe that you're, you're actually an associate there's something wrong there. Having anger issues is one thing. Usually when you have anger issues, it's usually an explosion. You don't brood about it for three days or a week or whatever it is and then go back and, and you know, try to get your licks in. So there were some serious problems. You know, a lot of people have serious problems. But anyway, the, the, the point is you maintain relationships with, uh, with all the actors in, in that movie for the, for the most part, except for him. And that's a shame. You know, and well, yeah, uh, Duval too. Uh, Duval was like him too. He had that attitude. I never, I never talked to him again. I mean, the only two people I really got friendly with was De Niro and Pacino, and stayed friendly with because and Brando. Oh, Brando! Right to the day he died, but yeah. Pacino and I did a great movie together. Any given Sunday, I was on that set for three and a half months. It's funny you should bring this up because you were approached by Jimmy Conn's agent for, on this movie. He called me when he heard that I was like co-producing and helping with that movie because at that time my brother was Pat Bolin who owned the Denver Broncos. They just won Super Bowl 
and and the authenticity of the character that I didn't even know Pacino was studying was Mike Shanahan, the coach of the Denver Broncos. So when he talked to Oliver Stone, who directed, he wanted to meet him. So I accidentally met Pacino and Oliver Stone in Dan Tanner's restaurant on Little Santa Monica by chance. Because I used to go in there a lot. And I saw them in there before. And he asked me to come over. We sat down. And he said, your family has something to do with football. I said, no, not my family, my brother-in-law. I said, in fact, they just won the Super Bowl. He said, we know that. He said, we want to go meet him and, and Shanahan. I said, no problem. I'll get him on the phone now. Now, I call my brother watch. I never call his house. I always call his office. So now I'm ringing him at home. And he's a very private guy, Pat. I said, he said, what are you calling me for now? I said, well, I'm sitting here with Pacino. He said, like Al Pacino? I said, yeah. No, no. Frank Pacino. The <laughs> well, maybe it could have been. You know, you know he's been with Italians. I said, yeah, yeah, right. Al's here, and they're telling me about a project. I want to introduce you. He says, he's going to get on the phone? I said, yeah, yeah. So I, so I pulled the phone up. I said, Pat Boland, Al Pacino. And I gave Al my phone. And they were talking. And, and you know, I don't know what they were, his side of it, but I know what Pacino was saying. He, he, he loves the Broncos, and he wants to come out, and he wants to talk to Shanahan and maybe, you know, do the, you know, whatever. They, they didn't know if they were going to put it together, but they put it together. And while we were doing this, Pacino was studying Shanahan, and he was actually in a coach's uniform several times on the field, which Warner Brothers said, because there's a big fine for that. Anybody in that white box has to be official in a team. Well, you can't be just. So, a, he's, so, so he, he's doing this, Pacino's doing this to get in character. Yep, he's. Getting to know Mike Shanahan. So now I get a call from Jimmy Kahn's agent or manager, and he said, Johnny, you know, uh, Jimmy would love to be in this movie. Because I already had James Woods. We had so many great actors. Um, LL Cool J. I had Jamie Foxx. I mean, there was people here. And he said to me, you know, Jimmy would really like to be in it. You know, he's a sports freak, a buff. He looks good. Should, Let me stop you right there for a second before you go on. Did you think that Jimmy Kahn instigated that call? I have no idea. How, how could I oh. know that? You know, I'm just, it, no, an thing. agent's probably doing his job. Or maybe Jimmy okay. said, call Johnny. I, maybe. I don't know. Okay. I thought so, maybe you knew. No, I didn't know. So I, I just said to him, and if I knew, I'd say the same thing. I said, you're talking about James Kahn. He says, yeah. I said, let me just tell you something. Jimmy Kahn will never be in a movie with me if I have anything to do with it. And I hung up on him. <laughs> why would I do yeah. another favor? What am I nuts? Yeah, that's, that's why. That's why I'm asking. I, I wonder who initiated that 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 request. If, if it was Jimmy Kahn, then that guy is has a tremendous ego, thinking that you would, you know. Yeah, but honestly, I, about I, I couldn't even say that. I don't know. Okay. But I mean, it's just. And that's why, you know, I felt strange starting Thursday early on. I mean, I was getting phone calls from Harvey at uh, uh, TNZ. What's that TV show? Uh, the TMZ. Yeah. They're all calling me. And I said, Harvey. This last I, week, you mean? What? Yeah. This last week, you mean? Yeah, Thursday. When they announced okay, well, When he died. He died on Thursday. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I was inundated with calls, which, you know, was great. And I said, listen, I'm not going to pull any punches. I don't like the guy. They said, well, just tell us what you want. And I did. And a lot of them didn't use it. And a lot of them did. I'm glad Angela hours, at the... Many, what? How many hours of interviews? Because I couldn't get a hold of you that day. I, nobody really got a hold of me. I finished my last interview this morning on Fox with uh, the guy who did the wise guy uh, interviewed. I went live this morning at eleven thirty again, talking about James Caan. I must without without in, in this country alone. I must have did a hundred interviews. Jeez, no wonder I couldn't find you. No, I thought you went in the Witness Protection Program. <laughs> no, I, 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 would, <laughs> and I was need to. <laughs> yeah, if that does happen, give me a call so I know where to reach you. Oh yeah, you know. definitely. You'd be the first I'd call. 
I'll be over Thank in your you. house in your basement with you. Good I night. said, you come here, nobody finds you. I know that. You keep telling <laughs> me that. The place I live is, isn't even on a map. But uh, anyway, uh, anyway, you know, just wanted to, you know, t- talk about Khan and his you know, the pros and cons, pardon the pun. Uh, uh, a fascinating, complicated guy. And and the more I'm involved with uh, with actors and, and people that create, the more I realize how fragile they are. Oh, they are. Sinatra was the biggest one. Nobody knew oh, it. Yeah. I mean, he was bipolar. You and I have done studies on him. We almost did a book on him, but there was no way I could do a book. Too many books on book. him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I couldn't. Too many books. Well, no, no, not by you and I. And let's tell the audience why we didn't do it, really. He yeah. was so good to me. Why would I want to throw him under the bus now? He was good to me. He baptized my son. He was my only singing teacher. He got me singing engagements. You know, and if you if you would think about people who don't know Sinatra's background, you would think, well, he's got the same uh, upbringing as like you or me. You know, came from uh, well, he was in in uh, Hoboken. Yeah, he came from the Lower East Side, whatever thing. it was. You know, it's, it's the street. You're a little tough. But he was a little scrawny runt who was a mama's boy who was picked on a lot. Right. You know, so when he gets this power to be around these these you know men's men, so to speak. And that everybody, you know, fears and, and admires these gangsters. He had a field day with that. Well, that's who he loved it. He it loved hurt it. his career. Well, that's why you put Jilly with him every day. Jilly why? was around him because he was always. I mean, how many times I seen him? Hold me back. Hold me back. I'm going to hit this guy. There was nobody to hold him back. He's nuts. Yeah. He went to hit me one night at Caesar's Palace. I don't forget it. I understand he's, he, was a, he was a bit of a bad drinker. Yeah, I think when you see him on his third or fourth martini, say goodnight, because yeah, you yeah. never know what's going to come out of his mouth. Well, interesting. Anyway, this has been uh, enlightening. Uh, you know, for those of you who uh, had to listen to the story again, I could listen to these to that story a thousand times. Just just the characters that were involved in in that it, it, that alone would have made a movie. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know, oh I mean, it's just fascinating. But anyway, uh, bottom line is rest in peace, Jimmy Kahn. Oh, yeah, please. And I you feel know, sorry for his family, who, who's still living. Ronnie's a great guy. I don't know if he's... His uh, son is an actor, too, Scott, right? Scott, yeah, I don't know him at all. No, I don't know him at all. Yeah, I, I've seen his name in credits. I mean, yeah, he did Hawaii 5 one of those shows. He was a regular on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, oh, he, he also part. did one of the uh, Ocean's Eleven. Oh, he did? Yeah, he was one of the, like a, a small part, but he was in it. Yeah. I right. often wonder why George Clooney hired him, because he was executive producer on it. Oh, Jimmy Kahn's son. That has something to do with it. But anyway, mm-hmm. our condolences to uh, to Jimmy Kahn's family, and uh, yes, life please. goes on, which brings us to uh, our second commercial, and we'll be coming back with the mailbag. I love the mailbag. We'll be I right back. Too. We do have your address. I'm now known as the Hollywood Godfather, and this is my story. I'm happy to say Hollywood Godfather Rapography is now playing on most platforms. Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music. Listen to Joel Ortiz, famous rapper, and Arsenic the Heat record. Multi-platinum, produced for Sony. Produce this record. I'm proud of it. There's 12 tracks. You gotta listen to this. You never know who you're lying in a room with So I broke a broomstick in half and let it groove with The concrete in the bathroom floor It had a new tip stashed it behind the toilet In case I ever had to use it All right, we're back The favorite part of this show, and we really mean it Pat and I love reading these things And your opinions and your suggestions for shows We know you're paying attention That That's important for us Oh, yeah yeah, but, uh, you know, Johnny, we're getting, uh, we, we finished a whole bunch of emails last week, and usually it, uh, it it takes us a couple of weeks to get to get good emails. You know, truthfully, anytime you're, you're in the public eye, you know, the, the, some crazy people come out of the woodwork, so we, we don't pay any attention to those. But it usually takes us a, a couple of two weeks, maybe, to get a bunch of emails. That's not happening anymore. We get a bunch every week now. That's and, cool. then, and we thank you for that. If it wasn't for you, obviously, we'd be making these things up. Anyway, <laughs> for you too. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Our first one is from uh, Serena. I love that name. Uh, she's she, she's from the UK, 
Uh, hello, I found your podcast on Apple back in April, and I've listened to all of them, and have now caught up to the present day. Boy, she's been she's been at work. Wow, 175 episodes since April. I, th- loyal. I, think, I think Serena very has loyal fan. Right. Thank you. Or, or maybe she's unemployed. There's nothing better to do. But we don't. She doesn't mention that anyway. I uh, really really enjoyed it. It's a great show. Also, have read the book and could not put it down. Fantastic read. This question is both for Gianni and Patrick. Do you recall the Pizza Connection trial in the mid '80s, in particular? A guy called Salvatore Catalano. You know anything about how he got caught? I was only 10 years old at the time. She doesn't say how she knows this guy, but apparently there's some kind of maybe a family thing there. Salvatore Catalano. I haven't heard of him. Me either. How about you? Nope. Sorry, Serena. We, we don't know the man. Maybe that's a good thing because if he's yeah. off our radar, he might be off the FBI's radar too. Hello. <laughs> so uh, I hope your show never ends. It's fab. Thank which you. I guess is a, which is a British term. Okay, Anthony. Anthony. All right. Love the show. I'm 100% Italian, third generation. My parents were married in the 70s, and they danced to the music of the Godfather at their wedding. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's nice. Some some of our relatives were not impressed. My dad is 81 and, and still will tell you the safest place in the city is Little Italy. That's right. I, I, we used to this. be. Yeah, I, well. I yeah, it's just... I don't know if it still is, but it sure used to be. I don't think anybody had keys to their apartments. Oh, yeah. No. You didn't, you didn't, didn't need even them. open. I, I never had a key. No. just walked in. Anyway, uh, I, I wanted to name our youngest son Carlo, but we ended up with Arlo. Close enough. Thanks for the show and your Vlad TV sit down. Hey, wow. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, so she named her son or we tried to anyway after your character, but settled on Arlo. It must have been a uh, a family battle. Don't you know scene. why they did that? Did what? Name him Arlo. Don't know. So he could be the first one online in school. They, there they, you go. They do you it know? in alphabetical order. <laughs> it, yeah, that's why you always come up with these good ideas. Now, I have a, a, an email here that's going to be take me a while to read. I, I, I'll say this again. We never read these prior to coming on, except, you know, I, I breeze through them to make sure we're not dealing with a serial killer or whatever. But anyway, this is from uh, Robert. I was a seven-year-old kid at the wedding scene. So he was in the wedding scene. Oh, wow. Great. I, 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 I never got credit or paid, but, but appear on the, uh, in the film several times. When Michael tells Kate, that's Barzini over there. The camera uh, pans to me standing next to the guy with the camera before they rip the film out in the driveway scene. Right, right, right. You know, when, when Sonny rips the film yeah, out in of the, the camera. Yeah, in the street. That's in the street. Where the, where the, yeah, the right out front of the, front of the house. Anyway, I think Paramount owes me some money, or at least the credit, LOL. In those days, uh, uh, kids did, uh, in those days, kids did not have a, a, a social, whatever that means, to get paid. Well, you know, you know what it, no, it wasn't that at all. Coppola, who the people he cast, and I know this for a fact, he said, if you want to bring your kids, I want this to look like an Italian wedding. So if you have kids, bring, you know who, who had the same situation, which is funny, oh. was Nick Vallolongo. Nick Vallolongo's father worked at the Copa, and he had a small part, and he was sitting with Barzini and all them. And Nick Vallolongo who won the Oscar for Green Book, he was 12 at the wedding. And, wow. And, and Coppola had to keep telling him, you know, we're going to throw you out of here because you keep looking at the lens. Now, act like a normal little boy. <laughs> he yeah, never, don't look at the camera. He never forgot First that. And now he became a Even director that. himself. That's funny. And then he goes on to win an Academy Award for writing uh, the Green Book. Is that why? I tell you, that, that movie kicked off a lot of careers. Well, a lot of people don't know one of the ring bearers at my wedding was Nicolas Cage, who was really? was who is Coppola's nephew. That I know, but I, but, I, but he would, he this. used his mother's maiden name rather than or his father's name rather than he didn't want to be a Coppola. He wanted to go and do it on his own. Okay, now I've seen I've seen that movie at least two hundred times. Now I got to see it again. Oh, you'll see. see it he has a little white suit on, short pants. Uh, does he uh, look like a, a young version of his current self? I, I think now that I said it to you, you'll say that, yes. He, he's, he's got a unique look. Yeah. 
Anyway, this goes on. The whole family's in this movie, apparently. Uh, my father was one of the FBI uh, agents uh, writing down license plate numbers before Sonny smashes his camera. My father went, went up to Coppola before the shoot and stated uh, and asked, hey, uh, I'm an Italian and want to be in the wedding scene as an extra. Uh, he was not connected. Apparently, this was on the phone. But years later, I found out the, that the intimidation, uh, uh, I found out about the intimidation applied to Coppola to hire Italians. Coppola told my father he didn't look Italian enough, but to leave his number. He uh, must have thought that he was referred by one of the wise guys in the movie. Well, the wise guy, I mean, Joe Joe Columbus, whole group was there. I mean, a lot of guys. In fact, most of the guys sitting around with Richard Conti's crew, who played Barzini, they were really guys. They were real guys. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they're, they're probably still bragging about that. If oh, still I'm breathing. sure. Anyway. They probably carry a uh, picture of it. Yeah, well, okay. We didn't know that part of the, uh, the story until years later. A, a, few, a few days later, a casting person called and asked if he wanted to be an FBI agent at the wedding scene writing down license plate numbers. My father jumped at the chance to be in the movie. Yeah, because he didn't look my Italian. Father, get it? Yeah. Now yeah. he looks like my an father took me to the set. My father took me to the set with him every day. I remember all of it, a big Italian wedding that went on for days, the barrels of wine, the food, the actors were uh, playing, uh, keep the ball up in the air on set behind the scenes. You know, you know what he's talking about, Johnny? I don't remember that. I the was, beach ball. It was yeah, a game. I know, I know, but, played, I, but, I know but I, I was, you don't remember that. I was in my dressing room. <laughs> uh, excuse me. I, right. I wasn't out uh, there with the 700 people getting drunk. <laughs> uh, my, my, my first cousin, Liz, also made the cut as a teen and is the, the tallest screaming girl behind jo uh, Johnny Fontaine when he arrives at the wedding. Wow. He's got the whole family He's involved. He's got, got the casting and, down. Yeah. It's, anyway, I was present for all of the major scenes shot at the compound. Uh, you take the car, I'll take the kid. The, the death in the orange patch. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. When, yeah. When uh, when Marlon Brando dies, yeah. we also were in Manhattan when uh, Michael gets the phone call by Radio City. Just coincidentally, they happen to be there. Oh well. We lived at the base of Todd Hill in Grand City, which I'm sure you are familiar. M my father had me get uh, Marlon Brando's autograph when he was walking with his then girlfriend. He had me walk right up to him and ask him. My father, who's now estranged, unfortunately, had 16 millimeter films from behind the scenes, which he was not supposed to take. I would well, love to know if one. he still has. He's the one that What's sent that? those. He's the one that sent us those films. We can't look at them. There you go. We have, we have them, kid. Don't worry about it. They're safe here. <laughs> okay. I was sure Paramount would love to see what he has and would perhaps confiscate them. We also had the. Uh, uh, we also how long the, is the this? Compound. When is this email going to be? The whole show? It's going to continue on our next episode. No, we got about four more lines here. <laughs> we also had the. We also had the compound fake stone wall in our garage for years that they were throwing out. At the time, Coppola must have thought my father was connected when he was not. My mother got furious that my father invited Diane Keaton to the house for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> she was she was jealous. Di Diane denied the offer, of course. Okay, that's it. That's it for that email. Wow. Well, that's interesting stuff. Oh, I know. I mean, this is something. Hey, look, 50-something years ago, and the whole family's still talking about it. I, well, you know? you know what it is? It's so true, though. I mean, it's that, that movie's affected so many, many. I see it day in, day out. The more people that are getting to recognize me from our own podcast and all that, I'm approachable. They see me on the street. They start telling me these stories. I have a lady that I walk every day two to three miles. You know that. I think this lady's yeah. waiting for me uptown. And she could well, it, 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 if this If this isn't an, an arranged meeting, obviously she's waiting for you. Well, no, but she kept telling me. I was, I was what's her name's girlfriend and, and as an extra. I said, I don't yeah. remember. And every time I see her, she tells me the same thing, like I'm going to remember. <laughs> yeah. Well, the more she says it, maybe the more chance you'll remember. You know? Okay, th th this, is the question, this is a question coming up here that you, you might want to address uh, in a certain way. Hi, Gianni. Hi, Patrick. Huge fan of the podcast. I've been listening since the first episode and pre-ordered the book years ago. Serious question. I watched the offer, and they claimed that Gianni hit Talia Shire on purpose with intention, with intention while filming the scene. Any comment? Also, can you tell us if Crazy Joe Gallo actually did try to shake down Al Rudy? Cheers, Karen. So let's just address that Talia Shire thing. 
in a way you think it's that you can't address it at this point. Well, at this time, my lawyers have told me not to address anything about the offer because we're not very happy how, the, how they portrayed me. And a lot of it's not true. And I can't believe they didn't vet it to find out. Because we know even with our book, St. Martin's Press, they vet things, especially when there's major companies involved in deep pockets. So I sure, really can't sued. comment on that. And if you watch the news, you'll be finding out. <laughs> Very short. Yes, well, who's this? this is Karen. Karen, you're going to be part of a news story here. There you right? go. Shortly. Okay, and the last question of the yes, evening. Hi, Gianni. Pat, seriously, save that for my lawyer, seriously. Oh, yeah, oh, sure, I'll say that. Uh, hi, Gianni. And this is, I don't know where this question's coming from. This is from Stefano from England. Did you ever meet Salvatore Ferragamo, the shoemaker? No. I wish I did. Okay, then. I used to wear yeah, his shoes. Yeah, me too. Used to. No more. Yeah. I don't know why I stopped him. His stores, I, I, are, I don't know what, his stores are on Madison Avenue. Still, he's still I never all over the place. Yeah. No, I got this thing. I, I, I think I asked you this once. I told you this once. Uh, dress shoes, Paul Parker. Makes the best, man. Wow. Anyway, there's a lot of best out there. Yeah. Uh, How all about right. my shoes? Anyway. Excuse me. How about my um, shoes? La Cosa, La Cosa Nostra. I mean, La Cosa Mia by Gianni. <laughs> that, that, that was a Freudian slip. La Cosa okay. Mia by Gianni. Go on the site. Great shoes. Go I on. will check it out. I, I may change my opinion of Paul Parker. I'm always Hello. looking for shoes. I, I have more shoes than Amelda Marcos. You know, I'm dating myself, maybe. That's but, why. Uh, yeah. Anyway, my friend, that is the last email. Well, another great show. And uh, like I said, to get reservations. Come and see me August 5th, man. You'll lo love the show. If you love the book and you're anywhere in a driving range, I'll be there at uh, August 5th. Would well, you sign the book? What's that? Would well, you sign the books? Oh, yeah, I'm doing them. I'm, I'm, I'm signing books. Uh, at these shows, you've, you've done these before. Do, do people show up with books? They come up with books, and I have books for them to buy. Even. All right. No, it's okay. all good. All right, Johnny, it's been a great show. No, another great show. Thank you, sir. And yes. we'll be talking. Okay. Have a good night, everybody. Good night. Woo! If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender Call me, don't be afraid You can call me Maybe it's late, but Thank just you call for tuning me. in to the Hollywood tell Godfather podcast You can contact Gianni Russo Patrick Picciarelli or myself Megan Horan with your questions and comments Through the contact section of our website HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com Which is where you can also Subscribe to our weekly newsletter You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you'd like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages. Good night. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around.